Are you ready to embark on an adventure through the world of words? Join us on The Reading Revolution, and let's explore the exciting world of literacy together. Welcome to The Reading Revolution, a podcast focused on childhood literacy. Today, my guest, Timothy Bellavia. He is an assistant professor in the Childhood 1-6 through General and Special Education Program at the Graduate School of Education at Toro University in New York City. He is the author of several children's picture books, including the award-winning series, We are all the same inside. Timothy is a Western New York native now residing in New York City. You can find him online at timothybellavia.com. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today on The Reading Revolution. Great to have you here. Thank you for having me. And I'm so glad the revolution of reading is being televised that we're filming today for future readers and learners of tomorrow. So uh, let's just get a little bit of background information on you. I know that you're a Western New York native, but tell everybody how you got to be where you are right now, coming from the Western New York area. Well, well, every story starts in the middle, but I'll, I'll start when I was in college, I went to Roberts Wesleyan university and it was really my first business move because I have an MBA secretly. It's my secret identity. Um, uh, So marketing, I can understand why it's so important in terms of teaching and learning. If you have to, you know, but, Truth be told, I didn't really have many options to go to college because my father really wanted all of his sons to go to a Christian university or a college. So I went to a, a school that was in the Christian tradition. And um, I love a good story. And I'm telling you, those three years of my life, because I got my bachelor's in three years flat because I wanted to get to the city and I wanted to go to FIT because I initially wanted to be a fashion designer because I love sewing and using material. And uh, I basically ended up doing my student teaching on 104 at Greece, uh, a school in Greece, New York, which was called St. Luke's Academy. I'm still in touch with Claudette Payment and um, my other cooperating teacher at the K-8 school. And the woman that was my supervisor and the dean and the chair of the education department, they said that I was, they said that I, I was talented and I, I didn't know what they were talking about, but they said that I should go to a school in Hilton, New York, which is in Western New York. And um, it's like a, a sub, a small village town next to Rochester. And I drove through the snow and I loved working with high school. And I never thought I could because they were bigger than me and everything, but I loved working in that situation. And that led me to join uh, uh, this NASADA, which is a New York State Edu- Arts Education Association as I was an art teacher initially with my certification. And the long and the short of it is that there was a there was a talent scout from Pratt Institute and SVA. And I had my slides in my bag because I really wanted to be a fine artist, really, but I did education because that was just practical. And then I got they I gave them my slides and they actually accepted me at Pratt Institute, which was a 3% acceptance rate. At the time, this is like the early 90s, 92. And so that was my hotline to heaven. And that I moved from Rochester, Buffalo, Air Western New York, you know, Rochester to um, to New York. So I ended up in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, so it was that was that was how I got to where I am today. And because of that decision that was kind of made for me, I didn't want to leave my comfort zone at, at, at St. Luke's, it was a private school and the kids were nice. I was kind of 
forced into that challenge. And I always tell my teaching candidates or any student that like, you know, sometimes you have to go against what you really want because it's going to open up a new world. And I kind of wanted to go to the Art Institute of Chicago because that was like a top shelf school and I did get in. But I really know because of Karen Sterlachi, she was my 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 second tier in the mid seven to 12th grade certification part of my student teaching. I was able to meet all the different people that led me to my happiness and just my bliss. So that's how I got to New York. And it's interesting you bring that up about getting out of your comfort zone. Well, we're talking about your experience as a child author, which you are. We're going to be talking yeah. about some of the things that you've written. Was that putting yourself out of your comfort zone, taking on something like that to well, I mean, to suddenly now you're writing for kids and the well, series we'll get into after you kind of delve into that. Yeah, well, you know, my initial initial doll, I believe my teaching philosophy is dolls and puppets can change the world. And I bring it to 1954 with the Brown versus the Board of Education, which is education policy where Mamie Brown and her husband did the Clark Dell study. Now I have the distinction and I'm sorry, I'm puffery is not illegal in New York state. Uh, I have the distinction of being the only doll artist of white heritage, Italian, American, Sicilian here to be in the black doll show, which is an annual thing celebrating the groundbreaking research that Dr. Clark and his wife did with the Clark Dell study. And the Clark Dell study back in 1939 had the black doll and a white doll. And the children of different diversities and religions and so forth about identity politics would always choose the white doll. And the disparity in oneself is like white. It's like an imitation of like the movie from 34, 59. The child that's mixed or the child believes that the whiter counterpart is better. And my philosophy is we are all the same inside. And if you look at a banana, if you go, go I'm getting all stem on you. The art teacher is getting STEM on you, but like bananas, 50% of the same DNA as a human being. So like, we're not the same inside as banana, but I do need to eat bananas because my joints are getting bad. And that gives my potassium, to, gives me potassium for my body to work better. And so as an educator, when I saw this disparity of people not liking each other because of their skin tone in the public schools or pushing it as a teaching artist or a consultant or just an regular teacher, I said, I have to do something. And I merged my love of teaching and art as a one and it was my patented doll because I went to FIT eventually. I really wanted to go as a younger man, younger person, uh, but my father wouldn't account for having me go to a secular school. So I ended up going to FIT later and out of my own pocket, I went and got a business degree and that led me to getting a, a utility patent which um, and then a, you know, understanding the idea of what a business plan is and what you know when you plan sometimes you don't always get to where you want to go but for me it's not my my career in writing for children and teaching or making things it's really it's not about the destination i like i like getting things or getting accolades for what i do but i really like the journey and when you think about it teaching and learning is about the journey you 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 don't stop after you learn something, you want to learn more and you want to do better and you want to be the best you can. And my philosophy in teaching and learning or whatever I do is just, I just want to do 
better. I, I can't, I can't just be, oh, I'm done. It just doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. And there's been so many situations in my life or anyone's life that you kind of want to give up, but I, I just can't. Life is such a gift and I love what I do. And I do think it shows. Uh, and no matter what, I continue to do it. So when we're talking about the We Are All the Same Inside series of books and the accompanying, you know, Sage Doll that you've mentioned right here, and this is such a terrible way to put it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Oh, just say when it. When it first launched, how did it start to take on a life of its own? It didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't really take a life on its own. Honestly, I, I'm a, uh, I have a really, and I can say this, I have a really good memory and it scares my former students. Like I was at Costco. I, I totally went suburban on everyone in New York. I went, I, I'm a Costco member. I'm so proud of that. Like we don't have that other place at Sam's club. We have a Costco in 170th and I joined. And one of my former students from, she was a fifth grader hundred years ago. And, and she recognized me and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I was your art teacher. We made JLo puppets together. Remember? She goes, yeah. And so like, and I remember she, I freaked her out that she remembered me, but it freaked her out more that I remembered the mosaics and the puppets and the different things that we did in school. But to answer your question, it didn't really like, you know, happen i had to make it happen and that golden dream just doesn't happen you've got to for lack of better words you have to hustle so i um you know with all things legal here i did do a lot of hustling and i i'm terrified of everything but i'm not afraid to do anything if it means getting my book into the right hands like dion warwick or tony basil who i did a puppet here okay and so um and i talk to Tony Basil on the phone and I edit videos with my niece with her. I mean, we're, we know each other. And so the point I'm going to make is that it didn't happen overnight, but I knew inside that I'm going to speak at the UN one day. And I said this to myself, just like I said my, to myself when I was like 11, it was May 1st, my birthday. And I was watching Solid Gold. I said, I am going to be friends with Melissa Manchester, but I didn't tell a soul and now I know like so th these are the things I like like you just keep these things to yourself and I I don't necessarily broadcast this to my students or whatever but I just believe in creatively visualizing something and then step by step it works so I attracted the amplification with the UN speech on November 17 2003 which brought Maddie Stepanek and his mother who was I'm on a committee with her planning the 20th anniversary of Peace Day, which um, is happening in July of this year in Washington, near Washington. And I, you know, I attracted Miss Piggy, someone I used to draw all the time. I was obsessed with Miss Piggy. And then Diana Ross was in a video with like all the different people singing We Are Family and Peter Yarrow from Peter, Paul and Mary, Steven Spielberg. And Nile Rogers was one of my favorite producers of music, brought me into the foundation and they broadcasted this curriculum and the aftermath of hate. So it was like just three years that things started to sort of happen, but then it didn't happen because I had to keep pushing. And there's actually, there's a, there's a weird story that happened in Western New York that I, there was a, a, a company that wanted to make the Sage doll. And I was like, you know, so that's what I don't want in the still photograph, that face I just made, because it's going to scare people. But the, they they actually were going to, they I had my lawyer and they were going to do manufacture the doll. Who doesn't want to have a doll manufactured, right? The Cabbage Patch Kid phenomena would happen all over again. It didn't. So I thought, well, what can I do? So I produced, sewed all of them myself. And I have the invoices or 
that were paid or not what to basically oops oops i'm having technical difficulties too it's really weird anyway so um i'm having someone i'm hearing voices in here so that being said um the i literally produced this myself i i did everything from the ground up and i have the satisfaction to have the signifiers but i also have the satisfaction that people really remember the doll workshop and they remember the book and the point the important part of the book and the concept of the doll is it, it it not only teaches social emotional but i've moved into stem and i'm doing digital literacy which is really exciting because we're going to prove that you know there are all kinds of modalities in learning and in life is about the journey and you it's not a one size fits all we have to focus on what the students we read for or the children, people we read for, are they interested in how do we engage them in either making a puppet or learning about photosynthesis or all these practical things that need to be taught and learned. And, and doesn't it really kind of reinforce the idea of childhood reading and exploration where you've got this idea and other kids are starting to learn what they are seeing in the world and what they want to go after, really reading and teaching and all of those sorts of things um, kind of come together to encourage that exploration and to be a part of that has got to have a, just be a great feeling from from your side of things. Well, I just think it's a great feeling um, because I think I've made the doll has made a connection to to peoples that I've worked with and that they remember the doll and not necessarily me, if that makes any sense. Or like, I just sure. like it's 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 like. For example, I was at a, I did a street fair for PS33 and somebody remembered that I was the man that made the puppets with them and they had a kid and they ran to their apartment and brought the puppet they made with me like 10 years before. And I said, you you know, so like that, but the doll meant something to them that they kept it. So like the child, the person, the participant, um, they, they remember it. And I think that's what's gratifying because if it fosters civility or their self-esteem or they're proud of it, they keep it. It's kind of like when you go home from uh, like a spelling test and you put on the refrigerator, or whatever it is, and you get the good grade or whatever, and you're proud of it, you put on the refrigerator. If you if you make something in school and you you keep it for years, that was that's what makes me proud. And the idea behind the in and out in terms of that, you know, the superficial is important to people that are vain or whatever, but it's also there's a lot of systemic problems with the superficial where people are racially profiled or your religion you can't run away from it because it's evident that you're of a certain religion because of what you're adorning and their prejudices against that and um with with all the identity politics that we have on our planet it's kind of crucial that we celebrate what we have in common and also celebrate what we're what's different and having difficult conversations are painful and but if we can push through that maybe and this doll could help great i did something right i think you know from a bookvending.com standpoint what we do with our book vending machines it is that keeping the doll and it is seeing the children's faces when they get a book it's theirs to keep it's not like they have to right bring it right, to right, the right. there's that ownership behind it and it's something that is that meaningful that they get to carry on with them long after they read it for the first time. Correct. And what's really interesting and wonderful is that when you're teaching, 
a concept and the child owns the concept. And I'm talking about like big ideas and a lesson plan that they you have 100% comprehension of what it is. That's a gift. And that's, you know, as a, I, I think of myself as a teaching artisan that like, I love teaching, I love art. And the process of writing is just a tool to get a big idea across. So the big idea with We Are All the Same Inside is to celebrate who we are, how we're the same, how we're different, and also gives the child or the participant, because I do this with adults too, um, the, I, the ability to actually make something and have the exploratory, uh, be able to explore without like feeling that they have to do it the way I did it or their neighbor did it. There's, it's a, it's a self-satisfying expression of what it is. And, and uh, you know, having a book in your hand and owning it and saying, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm reading Todd Parr's It's Okay to Be Different or The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle or Tommy DePaulo, The Art Lesson or uh, Nana Upstairs Down. So that's my fave. Uh, that's something that they, that they can own it. Like they don't have to go to the library and get they actually have and they can build a library of their own. It's really special. And I still have all my favorite children's books in my office at the university. And I often pull them out. Like my one of them is Miss Susie from 1964 that won a Caldecott honor. And it's about a raccoon who's invaded by a bunch of red squirrels. And their metaphor in this is genius. Like, and but there, there's something so amazing about that book because I have this memory of my uncle Bob reading it to me. Oh, from Buffalo, Clarence, New York. He would read it to me over and over again. He said one day, he said, Timmy, I just don't want to read this book anymore. <laughs> but I, I still have the book. And it does, it is, there's, there's owning, having books and understanding the concept behind the book and the story and being able to retell it is just magical. And the pictures are so magical. And there's a philosophy of using picture books in junior high and high school settings. And I've always done that with my students because I said, listen, you can't just throw away uh, a book that you like. Like there's a book um, called um, The Little House, Caldecott, 1933, I think. And it's about a house that's in in, this, in rural America. And then, you know, urban trans, it transforms from rural to suburban to a swimming pool to a shopping mall to like it's like right in the heart of the city and the poor little house is like has a subway elevator train and the family like where did that little house go and they take it back to the country again and it lives happily they clean the windows that are broken it's just, it's just like that's a great tool of not just about a house it's about urban rural and suburban and 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 then you could kind of scaffold it up and talk about something with a junior high student about like, you know, when Rite Aid or CV, Rite Aid is no longer, but like CVS or something, when it comes to a neighborhood, what happens and why are these, like, why are Ma and Pa shops so special and Wilson Farms, you know, you know, like, you know, there's all these little ways that you can teach something that's kind of a, an abstract concept, but using a picture book makes it easier and more familiar. And everyone should remember the little house. It's always, Scholastic always printed in these large, you know, sizes, uh, print, uh, um, trim sizes. So like you can have the big picture and see, you know, all the different uh, elements in the story. Yeah. I'm kind of promoting that these other books more than uh, my new book. But the thing is, I love children's literature. And I think it's such a great tool to teach different concepts. Like, um, and the simpler, the better. Like Marie Sendak did Where the Wild Things Are. There's only like 15 words in the book, but everyone remembers that book and everyone, um, you know, it took them forever to make a movie of the, where the wild things are, 
Uh, and I was kind of disappointed because the book said it so much better with so little words. Yet you really always remember Max and his 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 uh, dinner was still warm at the end. And um, it's it just just incredible. So let's let's circle back and talk a little bit about uh, the, the books that you're writing. We mentioned the series of We Are All the Same Inside. But mm -hmm. what's your what's your latest project? Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, Thank you for asking. I'm really proud of this. I'm like Cheryl. My latest book is the best. But seriously, this is I'm proud of this book because it's the 25th anniversary that I started this journey, shall we say. Uh, but I always wanted to have this to be a standalone me that like they don't need me to make a sage doll. And so in the book, they have these new templates and the templates basically the, the child could make a puppet, either you using a machine or just the paper doll analog way. They're also available on the wearealltheSameInside.org, but it just, but also is a like a history of all the different cool things that the Sage Doll has done since '98 all the way. And I should have sent a PDF to you all about this, by the way. But then to 2002, you know, our current era of you know, when different pictures. There I am as um, with Elmo and Rosita uh, when I taped a segment with Sesame Workshop. And uh, like I said, like they, they actually, I, I did a track Sesame workshop um, and then I was able to tour with them and go to different communities in the Tri-State area and give away books and give away Elmo puppets and make sage dolls with a bunch of kids. And um, it's just, it's curious because the kids that I work with, they find me on social media like you did. And they say, I became a minister because I made a puppet with you. And I'm like, wow, like I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I, I question, you know, the creation theory always, but like, it's so cool that like my doll inspired you, the puppet inspired you to do something that manifested your perfect life. So those are the things, um, that's what the latest book is, but I'm like, I have some other, you know, this is a curriculum that came out in 2018. Okay. And it has, um, all the different, um, elements of the, the workshop the stories because there's about four stories and a couple translated versions of we were all the same inside in this book and some arts and crafts it's kind of like my marlo thomas brent free to be you and me wish and dream but it's in this book okay and if they're also digital i have like audible with really incredible voice artists reading the book i'm probably this one was 2020 right before the pandemic i um um i'm on the volunteer with love michael which is a Granola, granola company that works with students or adults in New York City when you are in special needs schools uh it goes uh from it, you don't graduate at 18 you graduate out at 21 and a lot of times after 21 this the parents of the the students have become adults that they don't know what what they can do and they can work with food and handle food so Dr. Uh, Libatori, who has become a good friend of mine, created Love Michael, and her son and her nephew have, um, you know, are, are, are autistic, and um, they basically make granola in this great kitchen in Lower Manhattan. And you know, Dr. Uh, you know, Lisa is was a ear and throat specialist, but she became a granologist, and she's basically making this nonprofit something really important. And again, like with teaching and learning, this book shares a story of her son's journey and his frustration of not being able to be employed like uh, or being taken seriously as someone that wanted to work in a kitchen and cook. And I'm really close with Michael's grandmother, uh, who I accidentally friended on Instagram, one of those 
accidents and we're like we talk daily and she's a creative force and interior designer for the stars and her um uh her energy is very similar to mine where we always think of ideas and and man make them happen and um the just this whole idea of you know helping put this make this picture book into reality as a you know as as a helping art directing it laying out was really good because one of uh the students uh helped illustrate the book too so it's just really really that's i mean i love the the idea of collaboration and the idea of working with different like-minded people that want to do good for the planet and want to do good for all people and all people include people with special needs and autism and honestly everyone just wants to be seen and heard and that's that's i mean i'm really proud of the love michael book because it really opens up a way for people to really see and hear people that you know, may, may, you know, maybe on the spectrum diagnosed and they can have a life with purpose and make things and handle food. And maybe if they don't want to work with granola anymore, they can go onto a kitchen and, and be a productive member of society. It's really special. So that's kind of like, I mean, Lisa and I really connect in that deep level of, you know, doing what's right and to, for someone to leave her her medical practice is pretty profound and she's really finding her bliss. And I'm thrilled to be a part of her, um, her nonprofit in, in my own unique way. What was the genesis behind making the, we are all the same series, a, a part of the curriculum rather than just standalone picture books that we've talked about that there was a little bit more to it than just something that you could take off the shelf, read. It was something that could be incorporated uh, into a, a much larger vision. Well, I mean, I had a larger vision, you know, when I put together the puppets and that was in 98. And by 2000, the book was a reality. Honestly, um, to answer your question, I I just uh, fear, I think, is really what it is. I mean, right after the book came out in 2000, it was May 30th, the book came out. And then 2001, you know, I was living downtown and I'm actually a victim of 9-11. I mean, I, I've had cancer because of teaching below Canal Street. And it was the cancer that took my life of my father. And unfortunately, I can't blame my father for it. It's not genetic. It's I don't have the BRCA gene. It was I was downtown. And uh, the point I'm making is like I was scared and I wasn't there was uh, I don't mean to say that. Well, no, I do. I was it was it was scary. And I. Um, I just knew that through the puppet I could and the doll that I could maybe foster some kind of civility where I was. And I, I, I just did it. I just intuitively knew that I had to come up with a curriculum. I didn't initially think I was going to like have a, a, a city contract with the board of education because I was teaching as a teaching artist at the time, but then I just, it just kind of fell to fell into place. And I just had to go for it. And that's what I did. And um, like anything in life, I just say, go for it, do it. And and if I fail, I admit it, I failed. Uh, but I just, that's just a natural part of the process. And again, it's about the process and the journey for me, the destination. I love the idea that, for example, I was part of a research group and I, I changed the sage doll into STEM with little notes for kindergarten. So this is holy moly, just like the sage doll, but instead of insides, he has numbers, okay, or they have numbers because they're gender nonspecific. And then, you know, this is Dottie, Dottie Diva, the dotted half note. And I was a music and math phobic, but now because of these puppets, I could teach people that are nonverbal through research that this could 
help them do fractions like it helped me. Uh, those That's the one idea that lasts forever. And I'm just hoping that um, as long as I have on the planet, I could continue to just come up with neat ideas that make learning accessible all for all different kinds of people. And that's really that's pretty much what I'm all about as an educator and as someone that just is full of fear. But I just want to I want to like attack it as with all I can. Um, my big dream right now is I'd like to go back, not in time, but I'd like to go on a virtual Canvas or Blackboard and take math one, two, and three. And I contacted my math teacher. I don't want to be shoved up against the locker and have my car keyed in Lindenville, but which that did happen. But I do want to take algebra, geometry, and trigonometry again and take the Regents exam if they still they still exist. And I want to be an A student because it took me a while to understand key concepts in math. And I'm not blaming my math teacher or any teacher. I'm just thinking there wasn't that opportunity for me to, um, to uh, there just wasn't the opportunity. That it was a one, it's Ginn and Company, read. It's Houghton Mifflin, do it. It's Heath Mathematics, okay. It's a worksheet, do it. And I just, I needed the manipulatives. I need, I mean, I count and I have a great memory, like I said, but I count through Joan Crawford movies and Diane Ross records. It's ridiculous, but I can do it like that. If you tell me you're born in 1943, 1943, above the and then you graduate in 61. Please, Mr. Postman, the Marvelettes. Like, I, I know it's ridiculous, but I do that and my brain works that fast. And so now that I, I've concentrated in terms of that's how my brain works, I can have compassion in how I plan for teaching and learning for my students in graduate school. If they have deficits or they, I just work to their strengths, do the same thing with students when I'm writing curriculum. And um, again, one idea can last forever. And the utility pattern for the Sage doll is now you know, re-examined with the note dolls, which, you know, these books came out. And these are, you know, Herbie Hancock did the voiceovers and my friend CJ from Dancing in the Stars. He's the official singer of Dancing in the Stars. He's incredible. He did the voiceovers for my words and the animations. And when I was a little boy, I told my second grade, my third grade teacher, Miss Hogan, who's I'm still in contact. And she did a TikTok for me. I was real excited. She um, would believed in project-based learning and a lot of um, a lot of people don't have that um, skill set or that belief that it could work with all the different modalities. And she really honed into me. And I, I remember doing all these different things and it with her in her classroom. And that really influenced me to take chances and and just come up with really creative curriculum for students that maybe think differently. And it doesn't make you wrong, it just makes you different. And if you can get the key idea or the big idea, that's what teaching and learning is about. So writing for me is always about teaching and learning and making it fun. And I just came up with a way to teach um, DNA with um, a Roslyn Franklin puppet and and a story, digital, digital storytelling. And um, I have an app that's coming out next year and I got a little grant for it and it's getting another little grant that's going to hopefully grow. And um, I'm going to, I want, you know, students to come up with, you know, some rock star, someone that's in popular culture that maybe have diabetes, like the Jonas brother, Nick, I think his name is, or someone that needs to take Ozempic because of, you know, or, or whatever it is. And is it in their DNA and what is DNA and why? And, and, and like reading about it can be I don't know. But if you like think about if you're if you're interested or obsessed with, you know, Nick Jonas or whoever, 
um, you know, like if it's about COVID, it, like you, it, there's just all these different modalities and ways to reach people. And if you just pick something that they're really into, you could maybe le make the leap for them to really kind of understand it and, you know, kind of feel a passion that never would have been tapped if it was just like a textbook that was kind of, huh. or like, you know, getting a math lesson with like an overhead projector with a marker. And I was like, huh. you know, like, so like it, one of the things that my brothers would always do is they would take out a billboard magazine and they'd have their girlfriends over and they say, Timothy, what, or Timmy, they said, what was number 25? I'm like, tell her no by Juice Newton or, you know, like, and I would know the whole billboard top 40, but that was never really tapped when I was in school. And perhaps I would have been, you know, something else, but I'm really thrilled with writing and curriculum and picture books and doing it in my own special, unique way, because it's really fueling learning and hopefully lifetime learning with with big ideas. And that's what I think a really good children's book should give uh, their audiences. Like they really cut to the what it is and I mean, what it is. Yeah, and your love of words, your love of creativity is, is abundantly clear. And what I'm interested in asking right now is putting those together and deciding to teach the future teachers. How did that come about? An accident. But no, I'm not truthfully. It no, not that everything is an accident in my life, but like I just um I'm not blissfully unaware. I'm very aware and I'm I'm very afraid. Um, however, I never let it stop me from doing a single thing I want to do. And I really knew when I was at Roberts Wesleyan College at the time, but I told my Dr. Baker, I said, Dr. Baker, I think. I think I want to be a professor like you. He said, Timothy Bellavia. You know, he said, Tim Bellavia, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that somebody believed in me that wasn't like part of my DNA, that he really, and Miss Hogan did, but he was an old person and he was a professor and he was the head of a whole fine arts department. And I couldn't believe it. And he said, you can get into a you know, a terminal program, like an MFA or a, a PhD program, you can do that. He used to push your mind to it. And he, and he was really amazing because he would fly to New York and meet me in Soho. And we'd, I'd talk about Ashley Bickerton or whoever the fine artist was at the time, it was like early nineties. And like, that takes a real, he was a really special person. And I wanted to be like that. And I really wanted to like, like my memory. I remember every student I ever taught and every single project they did. And I just, I just wanted to have that platform where I could go into the classroom and do my own thing with puppets if I'm invited with a contract, but also really do important research because again, I don't, the destination isn't tenure. The destination isn't like, well, summer's off. The destination is, is not. The destination is the journey. I think the only destination in life is when you leave the planet. And I want my time on this planet to be a journey that is powerful and meaningful. And when you're a teacher, you really can do that. And I just don't think people really embrace what teaching and learning and what picture books can really do. And they're so powerful. And pictures are worth a thousand words. And think about the power of just one picture book that you might like, and you're giving it to a kid and they don't have to pay for it and it's theirs. And if they really get the key idea of the picture book, because every picture book has a meaning, even the longest picture book like Horton Hears a Who, it's like 78 pages. It's not really for pre-K. It's about stem it's about science like everything has a living organism even the tiniest little thing and that's so 
relevant and clear when I read that book. And that book is so not for a pre-K class. And it has nothing to do with, oh, there must be, the moon must be full day. No, it's just 78 pages. You got to like have that, understand it's not going to work for a three-year-old, but they're going to get fidgety. It's a, it's a really complex book. So. So in, in your experience with you know, creating, with teaching, when, when you think about childhood literacy, getting kids interested in books to become a lifelong reader, we hear that thrown out all the time. Is that something that you see that when a kid starts reading at a young age, they continue on reading for the rest of their days? That's the goal. It's not a destination. It's a goal. It's mm -hmm. an idea. It's a dream. And you keep pushing no matter what. There's certain people that I've done puppets or bookmaking or whatever, mosaics. And going, I don't get it. I don't want to do it. I'm like, well, what do they like? You like Super Mario, don't you? How'd you know? I said, I use my ears. I see. I see what you're doing. Why don't you just do a, a, a puppet like Super Mario? I've got a mustache. So I always like listen and, and, and just kind of like pretend that not, I'm not really listening, but I'm really like aware of what's going on. And I want to bring those interests to them. So, I mean, the goal is to obviously have lifelong learning. Are we going to win every student over? I'd like to have 100% accuracy in that, yes, but that's not a realistic goal. And measurable objectives in reading a book or doing a lesson plan or a unit plan, it's got to be based in reality. And that like you can't just learn something in one lesson. It takes time and you have to scaffold up. So ideally, I'd like to say, yes, I want all lifelong learning. Um, but there's, there's again, different modalities. And I think as an educator that writes and makes and does things for children and adults, it's, it's just about being keenly, keenly aware of how do you make it work and how do you attract or manifest something out of that book so they make that choice so you know even going to like a vending machine like if I, if i was with a student if in your one of your schools and they got the token and say they were really good hands-on kids where they mean like they like cars I, why don't you go how well i would pick the book by scholastic how it how it makes it how things work because it talks about like clocks and cars and all that so that would like kind of give them you know, they'd own something and they would own something that really would have meaning for them. And so that kind of the direction is where you go. And again, learning it's, I'd love it to be one size fits all because it would be easier, but it's not. I think, it's you, make, not. I think you make a really neat point where when we talk about steam or STEM steam, um, you know, both of those concepts have been coming up in this conversation that a fundamental part of all that comes back to reading. You're not going to yeah. reading no matter what it is you're interested in in an academic sense. Right. Well, I mean, my father, who is no longer on this planet, he always said to me, if you could read, you can do anything. And I, I have to agree. I mean, during the pandemic, I had to read because I didn't have an IT team helping me figure this out. But I read and I was a and then I also watched videos, too, because there's a lot of lonely people that make YouTube videos. And I love them and I thank them. Like, I'm like, it's really cool. So, I mean, to your point, um, there's so there's so many ways that we can uh, encourage reading and reading is so essential. And, um, and it, it, reading is through all, reading and writing is through all content areas. And, you know, I, I, let's just divorce ourselves from like this curriculum or Common Core, Next Generation Centers, reading and writing is essential. We need to go, we need to understand that 
if you can read and write, you can do anything. And there are also things that like there's certain people's strengths that they still need to read and write, regardless if they want to be, you know, something like going to cosmetology. You need STEM. You need to know how to do ingredients. Why hair is brassy is because you don't know that the purple shampoo you know, you know, breaks out that knocks out the red and, and the color theory and just the chemistry is important. So that's reading and writing, that's science, that's STEM. It all, it really all comes down to it. And if you make that accessible and really unpack that, I think reading and, 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 and writing would be, I think, more embraced. And you, you really discover with the students that with whatever you could, they could really see the meaning and why it's so important. So what can we expect from Timothy Bellavia in 2024? We're coming to the end of the year. By the time this podcast broadcasts, it'll be the beginning of the year. What's on tap? Oh, cool. Good to know. Um, I am, I am, I'm celebrating Diana Ross's birthday with puppets. She's going to be 80 in March. I have a school in Connecticut that's going to do, you know, we're going to, I, uh, going to be doing uh, and it's a part of this app that i'm launching that the idea though isn't for me to make diner styles is for make kids to make whoever they want and put in a timeline and uh it'll be a digital storytelling that they're writing and creating the avatar or the dollar puppet and they basically going to plop it in and then write and they'll be able to move the little thing across the screen so there's going to be some oh my gosh i did this i'm like a digital storyteller and then they're going to be published and that's the idea that i want to go so that's what's my big my big ask in uh, or my big ask but my big reality in 2024 is that i'm going to be launching this app and i have a wonderful uh partner at Toro University and the biology department. We're going to be launching this in February and in May in two days, getting biology students and education students and merging it together. So that's my big exciting news for 2024. I'm always constantly coming up with different ideas and writing different things down. And, you know, when I pass away, there's probably going to be, someone's going to go onto my desktop and see all these things that are laid out and ready to be published. And so I'm always working on something, but those are my two big, 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 big things in 2024. And I can't wait. And of course, I, there's all, 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 all sorts of other things that will just happen because I'm open to the happenings. What's the places that folks can find you online if you want to talk about your social media and, of course, your website? What's the best way that people can get in touch with you if they want to reach out and maybe share some of those ideas? Oh, yeah. Well, they, they can always go to weareallthesameinside.org or the, the sagedell.com. Uh, those are two ways to get to the workshop or the books. But Amazon, but uh, social media, I'm always, my handle is Timothy Bellavia. And uh, I am on Instagram, Facebook. Twitter or what used to formerly called Twitter, I guess is that sign like Prince or whatever, the X. It's I don't know what we call it anymore. But anyway, that whatever that is. And then I just got into TikTok, which scares me. But I see why people and young kids like it. And the reason why I'm getting into TikTok is you can like you can. It took me years, not years, but it took me hours to isolate things on my computer, whether with Quark Express or Adobe. Now you just tap on it on your phone and you can move it like that. And like with TikTok, it used to take me forever with Final Cut Pro to do all these things. Like kids can just tap their phone and just swish it up and down. I'm like, wow, this is great. So I'm learning along. You know, I'm a little behind, a couple of pages behind the kids of today, but I'm stepping up and I can see. The uh, substantial of uh, the systemic gains, the systemic gains of TikTok. All right, are you still there? 
I hope yeah. so. Yep, we're still okay. here. Yeah. Okay, because I lost you for a minute. So the systemic gains of TikTok, I'm on TikTok now too. And you can all see my my star 80, a celebration of 80 dolls, 80 gowns, 80 dolls, and 80 years. Because when I was a little boy, Diane Ross meant everything to me. And when I was a, one of the happiest days of my life was when my father took me to see Diana Ross at the Buffalo Memorial Auditorium. I don't know if that's still existing, but it was in the round. And it was October 6, 1984. And it was always my favorite thing I, I said during Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for that day. And uh, I've seen Miss Thing, Miss Diana for many, 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 many times. And I thought it would be fun to make puppets with repurposed materials that my fashion designer friends have given me over the years in her 80th birthday. And I do this for everybody, but Diane is kind of special to me. Awesome. Well, all the best of luck to you, Timothy Bellavia. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time to be on The Reading Revolution. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to working with you from today forward. Best of everything. Mm -hmm.